0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the simple and yet strategic choices that we can all make in order to become better versions of ourselves. My name is Dr. Michael Brown, and I am the host of Three Words Podcast, and today we have a very special occasion because I'm inviting someone onto this discussion, into our dialogue that is not a part of the DMB coaching team but has very quickly become a good friend of mine. His name is Anthony King, he goes by Tony. And so Tony and I are gonna have a very honest and real and raw conversation today around the theme of Black Lives Matter. And specifically, our conversation is focused on these three words. Tony, if you would. Be color brave. Be color brave. Isn't the phrase be color blind? I mean, that's what I've been trained to think in terms of if you really want to be equitable, if you really want to be a person of justice, then we should be color blind. We often hear that phrase, be color blind. What do you think about that, Tony, when I say be color blind?
1: Do you want me to be color blind? Well, no, Uh, (laughs) it's my initial, initial reaction, uh, Michael. Um, a lot of times when people talk about being colorblind, um, they're talking about race and not seeing race and not seeing color. Um, but what they're not realizing is that um, it, it, it really truly doesn't exist. Um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's not physical. Um, race is actually a social contract uh, that we as humans and mankind has made uh, for ourselves, sort of like money, so when you say things like that, it's just like saying that money doesn't exist or that you won't see money, um, which is an important thing in a lot of people's lives, right? And so we have to see race. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to see color um, in order to start tackling the problem of racial inequity in this country.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. I, in fact, I was just thinking the same thing, that color blindness it, it's impossible
1: Yeah. because we do
0: see it. Yeah. Um, but also when we state it, it creates distance. And it it does not value diversity because yeah. in many ways, if I say I'm colorblind, I don't have to lean into your story. Yeah, I don't have to learn more about you. I can simply say, this is an awkward topic. This is an awkward situation. So let's just say, I'm not colorblind. I don't even see your color because then I don't have to enter into your story, which is rich and meaningful and complex and complicated and just filled with color, right? And so I like this idea of be color. It's it's being brave enough, if I can say, to lean in, to look closely, yeah. to better understand and appreciate who you are as my new friend, but mm-hmm. also as a Black man. I mean, Tony, what does it mean for you? And what does it feel like for you, if I may ask so boldly, to be a Black man in America right now?
1: To be a Black man in America right now... um, and to be just a little bit of socially conscious is to be always at rage hmm. um is to be always confused um is to be hurt um is to be uh, belittled um um being a black man uh in america means a lot of things and one of one of the biggest things is is being oppressed um and not being heard um and I, those 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 things are, will come to mind when I think about being black in America. So, have you had experiences that have actually shaped that perspective? I mean, we're just getting to know each
0: other. Yeah. And obviously, we actually met. Yeah. For the very first time at the Bowling Green protest. Yeah. Soon after George Floyd's murder. Yeah. And so you had actually partnered, it seems like, with the police department, with the city to mm-hmm. actually create a very peaceable yep. uh, protest where we could actually have some of these hard conversations. But right. so obviously, this is a passion of yours. You're new to Bowling Green. You came from Detroit. You're studying mass communications here at the university. And yet, you stepped right into this leadership role. But I'm guessing in many ways, your voice is being shaped by your experiences. I mean, what kind of experiences have you had that have created some of the things that you're talking
1: about today? Right. And so I really didn't experience much racism, um, uh, blatant racism, really, until I came to Bowling Green. And so um, my first two years in college were at Norfolk State University. Um, It's a historically black college and university uh, in Virginia, in Mm Norfolk, Virginia, a a naval base. Um, And so I was around mostly black people and I come from a black high school Renaissance High School. And at high school, my 10th and 11th grade years, um, I studied music um, over the summer at the University of Michigan College of Music summer program, Impulse. Mm. Um, and this is where I met other racists, uh, but it was diverse. And so there were white people, but it was different. And mm-hmm. so when I transferred from Norfolk State University to Bowling Green State University, I didn't think about the racial makeup of the college, right? I assumed it would be like the University of Michigan, which is also a PWI. But when I got here, I experienced the true effects of the culture shock uh, that's in Bowling Green. Um and the 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 gap in the, the culture gap that exists here. Hmm. Um and that and that was especially true for me walking into my classes and being the only black male into my classes and having to code switch um, all day, all the time. To code switch, talk to me about that. What does yeah. that mean? So code switching is when um, people of color um, talk different, sound different, act different in order to fit in with the white culture, mm-hmm. right? And so I would spend days and um, weeks and, and, and hours of uh, being in the classroom and uh, working with my professors code switching. Um, and I didn't really take into account how mentally taxing that was for me. Um, me never being able to embrace my culture, me mm-hmm. never being able to embrace my true self. You know, the Anthony, the Tony, who I always been accustomed to being and accustomed to living in, you know, I almost lost my identity in code mm-hmm. switching and, and being in those white spaces that didn't really give me the opportunity to embrace my culture and didn't make me feel comfortable enough as a black man. Um, to be myself. And so I end up being this alter version of myself, um, which is, which is mentally taxing. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a very
0: brutally honest question? Obviously yeah. we're just getting to know each other. We've had probably three, four five yeah. conversations on campus. We keep running into each other mm-hmm. in town, even knowing my commitment to being an ally and an advocate and an activist for black lives matter and the movement and really coming alongside of my brothers and sisters of color in really advocating for equality and justice. Have you felt even the need to code switch with me?
1: When I first met you, yeah. Okay. And I and I think that is true. That's a common sentiment among all people of color. Um, you never really truly know who's on your side until mm-hmm. they start talking to you, until your interaction with them. And then you kind of let that barrier down or keep it up you know, whichever that is. And so. But I'm sure there's been times when you brought the barrier down and you felt burned by that. Yeah. And felt hurt by that. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I've had experiences with professors um, mm-hmm. where I thought that I could, you know, be myself, um, and I thought that I could be comfortable. Um, but when I let that barrier down and show, you know, show people the true, you know, Tony and um, and, and, and act and, and think like how I think and not how white America wants me to think and how to fit in, you know, it ends up biting me in the back. So, so how white America wants you to
0: think and act. Yeah. What is your perception of what white America, how do they want you to think and to act?
1: Yeah, just like them. And I, and I, and, 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 and I say that as, um, Black America, Black culture, um, we talk to each other, uh, differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have slang words and words that I use from Detroit and that other people use from areas like Cleveland and Cincinnati. Um, and that's how they communicate, uh, with each other. Um, but those words make white people uncomfortable and you acting uh, black or you embracing the black culture, make white people uncomfortable in a lot of settings. Um, and so in order to solve that, what you do is you sound just like the person that's talking to you. Hmm. Right. So as a white individual, do we
0: code switch? Do I feel like I need to make you feel comfortable with white? Does right. It-
1: no, no. And so, and so that actually plays, a, cause I don't feel that way. Right. It actually plays a, a part into white privilege. Right. Mm. And so, uh, people of color have to learn how to code switch and have to learn, I'm going to say how to, how to, how to be white, how to fit in, in a white setting.
0: Hmm.
1: White people do not have to learn that. And so mm-hmm. and in order for black people to be successful, that's something that we have to learn just because of the, the social, the social and economic construct of this country. We have to learn it. We have to master it. We have to see how you guys talk and act in order, in order to be successful in a lot of spaces. And that's, that plays into, that plays into white privilege. Mm-hmm. And so back to the conversation about color
0: blindness and being color brave, obviously um, we're, we're agreeing in that mm-hmm. I want to be able to see you as a black man and you want yep. to be seen as a black man and yep. you want me to enter into that and to see your blackness. Um, and I do. And obviously we talked about this off camera and you know this, mm-hmm. but I actually have an African-American son who's 12. Yep. And as I continue to raise him, to be a black man,
1: I'm just curious, uh, what's your advice for me? Right. And so him, I don't know him personally, but, uh, I'm going to say this from a general uh, standpoint. Well, I look forward to you guys becoming friends. Absolutely. (laughs) And, And I would love that. Uh, but he's going to be confused growing up. Um, he's going to, he's going to wonder why things are happening to him that aren't happening to other people that don't look like him. Um, and these are things that he's going to start to notice that he's going to be, he's going, he has to be explained and, and, and walk through. Um, and he has to have conversations about really raw, um, conversations about why that is, you know, and why does race exist in America? You know, why does your color, uh, give you, make you underprivileged? Right. Why, why do people want to oppress you because of your color? And these are all important things for him to understand in order for him to be successful. Right. Because if you don't understand these things, um, then, then, then you are colorblind. You are colorblind. Then you're not successful. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, which plays into white privilege. These are things that African Americans and especially young men have to learn. Um, for example, getting stopped by the police. Mm -hmm. Um, his experiences may be a lot different than your experience or maybe some uh, experiences of his friends that he grows up with. And he's going to have to learn how to um, act in that type of space. Um, And he's going to have to figure out that quickly.
0: Yeah. And we started having those conversations with him and he's initiated some of those conversations with us as well. And I guess I just took for granted um, previous to even George Floyd's death. I took for granted that my son would not have to face some of those unique challenges mm-hmm. that I'm very aware of, but yeah. because he is in, within the context of our white family and I've studied this and I care, yeah. care deeply about this for many years, not to the degree I do now and as an advocate and an ally yeah. and even act, a local activist, but it's a real thing. I just, I just assume me, it's just me hoping for the best that he would be spared mm-hmm. from some of the stories and the things that we're seeing, mm-hmm. but yet, I think he needs to be prepared. Yeah. And he needs to be warned. And, I, and again, I, he also needs to be equipped to be truly a black. I wanted to be a black man. I wanted to celebrate his skin color. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's actually biracial. His uh, biological father is African American. His mom is Caucasian. His biological mother is Caucasian. And so he's got very light skin. And obviously we could talk about, you know, since we're talking about skin color, the difference between lighter skin and darker skin, that might be a conversation for another time, but there's just something very beautiful about um, the color that points back to the race and the ethnicity. It's just who we are. And, and we should really be brave about entering into those conversations of diversity, which is interesting. The, the phrase today is be color brave versus be color blind, which ironically you've actually started an
1: organization here in Bowling Green called brave, which stands for it's an acrostic for. Yeah. So brave stands for black rights, activism, visibility, and equity. And why did you start
0: this? And what We's, is it about?
1: Yes, yeah, so Brave is actually a black initiative group right now. Um we're going to be going to be a nonprofit in a couple of months. Um and we're here to make sure that this change doesn't just flare up and die down mm. when big events like George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, you know these events happen in communities, know that 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 black rights um and that communities should make um communities should be intentional about making mm their community welcoming for black people. And so we're going to, we have four pillars, four focuses in communities. Um, the first focus is politics um, and civic engagement and making sure that black people and people of color have a voice in local politics, especially in towns like Bowling Green, where all of the city administration is none of them are people of color. And so wow. it's really, really hard for them to make solutions um, and speak up for people of color. And frankly, they just don't understand unaware uh, there's yeah. the, there's, unaware of the situation yeah. right and so and we have culture which is going to bring culture mm-hmm. into spaces like bowling green right and so um earlier um early, early in the summer we had a juneteenth event
0: mm-hmm. i was um, there
1: yeah and we had music artists we yeah. have food we have black businesses being vendors um you know to get black people spaces um and 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 communities like this where they can really embrace their culture Mm -hmm. um and they don't have to code switch for once you know they could spend a couple of hours um being themselves and reminding themselves of who they are as as a black people and as a black culture right and we have we also have our education um initiative is when we want to go into the local schools um in town um and get and get the students there uh, to celebrate black culture. Uh, you know, we think black history is a part of American history, right? And so that needs to be something talked about in school. It needs to be something celebrated. I mean, especially in communities like this, where um, you may only have a, a, a few of black students, right? But it's also important that you don't leave those students behind yes. and that you don't forget that they're there because it's, there's, it's mentally taxing for those students. Absolutely. And we have our business initiative, where we want to help, black businesses in this area mm. and to make this area more culturally diverse. Um, and so we're going to give those businesses the resources they need. And eventually when we get the funding, we're going to help them get the funding. And so not only are we inviting black businesses into Bowling Green, but we're also giving them a proper foundation to sit on. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Tony, for
0: being brave <laughs> and for stepping into a new community, a new campus, a new leadership role, and then, really stepping into a place where you can have true influence. I'm so glad we met at that first protest. I'm so glad we kept uh, bumping into each other spontaneously. And even now uh, cultivating a friendship that will hope hopefully last for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And um, I really appreciate your advocacy. I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your honesty, Mm -hmm. even to sit with me here today uh, in this space and, Again, uh, just to remind our viewers and our listeners, uh, it's not the best to be colorblind, but actually let's commit together to leaning into diversity, to appreciating difference by being color brave. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.